Two of the very best operators. Mark up in the garage. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as all red flag. This is a suspended uh, race. Welcome back to Parked Up. This is episode 22. My name's Grant Rowley and I'm joined once again by Tony D'Alberto from the comfort of his own living room. Bedroom. Bedroom. There you go. Yes. Well, you got the camera like... It's where the magic happens, mate. You got the camera pointing up to the sky. I can't see anything other than a uh, one wall and one little curtain there. That's all you're going to see in my bedroom too, mate. And that's How's all your week been, buddy? That's all I want to see. Thank you very much. Everything's been going okay. Week two down of uh, lockdown. That's uh, two of six. So Is it only two? Oh, I my. I thought it was three. It feels no. like a long time. I'll tell you, one thing that helped pass the time, though, was some supercars and some Formula One and some MotoGP action. Uh, there are some things happening outside of the walls of our own home, which uh, which is nice to see. Thank all of the lords for Foxtel and KO and Channel 10 and uh, all those things that bring pretty pictures to our screens. Otherwise, um, yeah, wouldn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, it was a massive weekend of racing. Uh, I tuned into all the supercar action. I'm actually spewing. It's only a two-day event these days. I used to. <laughs> I've got the time at the moment to watch on the Friday as well. But yeah, I tuned in Saturday, they can, Sunday. They should race Monday. They should race Tuesday. Absolutely. Like, to just keep going while they're there. They might as well. Roll it over. Exactly. And then you add Formula One, MotoGP, uh, IndyCar qualifying for the Indy 500. What else was there? Uh, I think there was some NASCAR stuff on. There was GT stuff. There was, it was all happening family across quiz. the world. Family quiz. Yeah, for another family quiz that we almost took out. That was a bit of, yeah. The Delberto family couldn't get the job done. Oh, well, we tried. Lots of racing and it makes me super jealous because it looks like the whole world is just going about their business. While we can't, we're still bloody locked down, Grant. Oh, well, this is what we've, uh, this is what we've got, but... While we're not doing much, let, let's make some podcasts. And uh, we've got a cool show for today, uh, some news and views, which will come up very shortly, and a chat with the Prince of Pukekohe, the man himself, <laughs> Gregory Murphy. We love the man. Uh, he's always been one of my, my favourites in the, in the motor racing world, one of the fiercest competitors that Australasian motorsport has ever seen, uh, and we'll grab him for a chat to see how his COVID-19 story has been going and, uh, and all the things that happen in his world. But uh, look, without any further ado, let's just get into the news. So plenty of racing, Tony D over the weekend, three supercars races. We had some Formula One, we had some MotoGP. We saw a brand new supercars winner, Anton Di Pasquale, in that Saturday race, and for me, that was the best race of the weekend. Yeah, it was a really good race, and I think uh, teams were not too sure how the tyres were going to hold up and probably uh, played it a little bit cautious. So fantastic to see Anton get a win. I feel as though it's been on the cards for quite a while. He's uh, He's been one of uh, the top performers. We obviously saw him on iRacing as well. Uh, it was one of the guys to beat in that championship or that style of racing. And it was just a really a matter of time for him to get the opportunity to actually grab that supercar win. And, you know, I feel like unlike some of the other new winners we've had this year where it probably wasn't as much of a fair fight, I and mean, we've spoken about that, um, 
you know, Anton still had to work really hard. And there was a couple of safety cars that got thrown in the mix there where he couldn't just run away with it. He had to keep fighting for it. Interestingly, though, those safety car restarts were an absolute cluster. Yeah, the were they? What was going on there? All, all I have no so both idea. of them. And I'm surprised we didn't end up with some major cars in fences. Wow. I mean, we, we saw there was sort of like brake testing or people would basically just weren't getting on with it uh, when Anton opened up the throttle and uh, took off. So it caused a quite a bit of mayhem. Uh, we saw Scotty Mack make a little bit of an error. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened there, but he got a run on James Courtney, passed him before the control line, and he readdressed the pass at the end of the straight. But it's a hard and fast rule. You know, they can't sort of overlook that ruling and say, okay, well, you readdress, let's let it go. At the end of the day, if you make a pass before the control line, then you're in strife. So he copped a penalty, which was a real shame for his championship because Jamie had just copped a penalty in pit lane for an unsafe release. Mm-hmm. And Scott was looking really good to actually capitalize on a big points haul there. So end up finishing behind Jamie and doing even more damage when he probably would have finished, you know, in that top five easily. Scotty certainly made up for it in the first race on Sunday with victory. But your teammate for the Bathurst 1000, Fabian Coulthard, he was really going for it and he really wanted mm-hmm. that win. He got the, uh, he, he beat Scott at the start. He, he made it into turn one first and, and looked like he uh, had a pretty good chance at winning that race, but uh, was sort of beaten in that, uh, in that pit cycle and um, mm. tried, big, uh, tried the big run down at turn one, but uh, couldn't get the job done and ended up spearing out onto the grass, which, uh, which kind of cost him and I guess ultimately cost him that round win. Mm. Yeah, he had a pretty good weekend, really. Qualified up the front all weekend, which has probably been uh, something he's been working on. Hasn't been as consistent as Scott. I mean, Scott's probably the qualifying master in many ways. Uh, But that race, I feel like, got away from him. He got the start. He got an absolute blinder of a start. And the thing that really hurt him, as you mentioned, was the pit stop. He lost about a second in in the pit stop. And Scott came out just in front of him after the pit stop cycle. And one thing that they did do, which was a little bit different to some teams, instead of putting just rear tires on, they decided to put right-hand only tires on. So when you do that, the car feels really quite awkward for that outlap. And I, I think Fabs's outlap probably wasn't as good as what it could have been. And, and then a, you know, a botched pit stop as well. So it just sort of like snowballed from there. And, because I'm quite familiar with the inside of those cars, uh, when I saw the onboard of him barreling down to turn one to try and put pressure on Scott as Scott had just exited the pit lane, I saw that little light come up, that lock-up light on the left front as he was starting to turn into the corner. And I thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble now. <laughs> and uh, it just takes that little lock, and he wasn't able to make the corner. Obviously, uh, he tried to unlock the tyre so he didn't mark it, but, yeah, went onto the grass, and that was probably what uh, put end to that race of trying to win it. He still finished third, which was a great result. But yeah, when you look back on the weekend, if he hadn't have made that little error, he definitely would have won the weekend. But I think all in all, it was a pretty strong weekend for Fabs. Yeah, he definitely had a, a really strong weekend. Uh, Jamie Winkup took the win in the last race, which also secured him the Darwin Triple Crown. He got a nice new trophy to um, put on the put on his trophy shelf. I don't know what, how big his trophy mm-hmm. shelf would be. That, that, that thing would be huge. 120 race wins for the GOAT. 
the greatest of all time, Jamie Wincup. So uh, it was a big just... recovery by Jamie, though. I mean, he he did stick it in the fence in practice and flatten the back of that car, and he was one of the first guys to put a spanner on that car and try and help the crew because they do have a restricted crew traveling at the moment. So uh, he was hands all hands on deck trying to fix that car, and then to still qualify at the front and win the weekend, like that's a pretty good comeback. When you consider his teammate Shane Van Gisbergen didn't have any of those problems uh, and Jamie still managed to beat him, uh, I suppose that's why he's the GOAT and uh, he's won so many races and, and so many podiums. But, yeah, strong weekend. Now, it does bring us to the point, though, Grant. Oh, the, uh, We need to this, talk about is this. Is this the elephant in the room? The white this elephant, is the elephant in the, in the room. room. And I did put it on my uh, Facebook last night and it went absolutely mental. Jamie Winkup was uh, copped a penalty in the first race for an unsafe release. And Mark Dutton put his hand up and said, yep, I stuffed that one up. And then in the third race there, he released Jamie into the path of Fabian coming into the box. And if you don't know, Shell V Power, the first uh, pit bay in pit lane. And then you've got uh, Red Bull, the next one. So they sort of, you know, they work very closely together. And as Jamie's come out of the pits, Fabs has actually had to jump on the brakes just to avoid making contact. Now, they did make a little bit of contact. And generally, if you make any contact in pit lane, there's a penalty put to the car that's caused it, I guess. And in this case, it would be Jamie. But Jamie has managed to get away with it. What were your thoughts on that incident? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one for sure because... I completely understand how it could be seen as Red Bull Holden's fault because there was contact and, and as you sort of mentioned there, it was effectively their doing by releasing the car, you know, maybe a bit too early. But Fabian has actually been the one to hit Jamie's car because it's uh, front-to-nose contact. So, yeah. The stewards, has, the stewards has ultimately came to the conclusion that it, there was no penalty, which I guess... Well, on what reason, though, honestly? So the reason in the incident report doesn't actually give a reason, really. Uh, it says the race director determined the matter did not warrant referral to the stewards as no breach of the rules could be established on the available evidence. So I think I read the same thing from, I think it was from Supercars or whatever. So Beardo gave an explanation of why Red Bull didn't get the penalty. And basically it was because uh, Fabs was turning from the fast lane into his bay. Um, so technically both cars weren't in the fast lane. Um, and there needs to be a little bit of give and take uh, to try and avoid making contact. Now Fabs jumped on the brakes and still made contact. So if he hadn't have put the brakes on, hadn't have seen Jamie and tried to avoid it, then potentially there'd be a Red Bull car into the Shell V Power garage and taking out a whole heap of crew. So I feel like, and I'm biased, don't get me wrong, 100% biased, but I feel like I've got reason to be biased uh, in this instance because Fab's tried to avoid Jamie didn't even know Fabs was there. He was just, he was just going, and that that is the case. When you're in the car and you get told to go, you go. You 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 not you don't really you can't see anything. Uh, so I don't blame it on Jamie whatsoever. But I feel like it was an unsafe release. And then for Red Bull and Jamie to say that Shell V Power pitted to try and help Scotty Mack win the race and try and block Jamie in is 
absolutely ridiculous. Honestly, that I didn't just, actually. I didn't actually hear that. Did they say that in the broadcast? Yeah. No, no. This is what Jamie said uh, when he was asked about it uh, after the race, and those were his words that uh, Shell had tried to pit Fabian to to make it difficult for Jamie to exit his box, and you know, helping Scott get the win and for championship reasons, whatever. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. How could they time that? How could they make that work? They, they wasn't even on their radar. Well, there are some games being played then between the top two teams. And, and it's, uh, we, we certainly love the rivalry between those top, top teams. And, and it's great that one's a forward and one's a hold. And it definitely keeps the, it keeps the banter up in the, on the social channels and with the fans. So uh, I encourage uh, as much of that uh, banter as possible, but certainly a controversial incident or, or the most mm. controversial thing well, that we saw. It was controversial because Jamie and Fabs ended up equal on points. Jamie won the weekend because he won the last race. So uh, obviously if Jamie had been penalized in that instance, you know, Fabs would have won, but Fabs lost a spot to Chaz because he had to prop and let Jamie go. So even if he had finished ahead of Chaz, he would have won the weekend. So that's why, you know, Shell and Fabs and the team are up in arms about it. And look, as a driver, if you see a car leave pit lane and you're going to make contact in pit lane, you never yield because you want them to get a penalty, 100%. But this was a little bit different. I believe that everybody tried to do the right thing, but there was still contact made. So anyway... Beto uh, generally does a very, very good job, and I'm sure he's got his reasons for it. But I think this one potentially, no, I'm not even going to say potentially, I think this one was off the mark. There you go. Well, we did. I did grab Michael Caruso, the expert commentator for, the, uh, for Network 10 over the weekend. I grabbed him for a quick chat just to get his thoughts. That was an interesting one because we don't normally see cars coming together, I guess, when one car's on the way in and one's on the way out as such um, to that extreme. So it was, you know, I guess from Coulthard's point of view, I can understand why he's upset because he did have to slow up uh, quite a bit, which would have cost him some time. And, um, you know, and then again, you can see from Triple H's point of view because they thought they were going to get out in time. But it's a really tough one. I think at the end of the day, they, you know, they obviously left it the way it was because, you know, the results would have played in that. Had Winkup been running nowhere, I wouldn't have been surprised if Winkup had got a penalty for it. But, look, it is what it is. Um, and I think it swings and roundabouts when it's stuff like that. And, I, you know, and further to the point, even the day before when there was that incident in pit lane with Winkup, if there's no malice or, you know, I guess any intent in pit lane and cars do sort of touch each other as long as there's no one getting turned around, then I, I think it should be play on. You know, I think we need a little bit of um, that inside pit lane as well because, you know, when you talk about 20-odd cars trying to pit at once because that normally happens, um, it's very, very difficult to, you know, to orchestrate and, um, you know, and have cars coming in and tyres and, you know, turning circles of the cars aren't that great sometimes. So it's um, there's a lot to take into account there, and, and everybody is taking care. But um, you know, the only time I've ever seen anything terrible happen in pit lane really is that um, that case we saw, you know, last year in Adelaide when <laughs> I think it was Rick Kelly turned someone around. So that was really the only time it was 
gone bad, but um, I think that's that'll probably we won't see that ever again. Yeah, so Caruso is taking a very similar view to, uh, I guess, what what Craig Baird and the stewards had uh, had determined as well. And look, I also asked Caruso while I was at it. I also asked what he thought uh, about being back on the TV. He's like you and I, trapped down here in Melbourne, can't do too much, but he offer, was offering his expert thoughts for the Channel Ten broadcast. And I asked him what it was like to get back to work. It was great to be back on Network 10 for the uh, the Darwin coverage, and uh, you know I obviously love um, love working in in TV. It's something that I've enjoyed, not just um, you know I guess post my full time career, but something that I've done quite a bit of while I was racing as well. So to join those guys and girls for the weekend was um, you know it was fun because uh, we're talking about motorsport, which are you know or supercars that I was obviously going to watch anyhow. But um, sitting in your lounge room was a completely different um, atmosphere than I'd you know, obviously been used to when working in television. You know, I'm normally either in the studio or out at the racetrack um, doing it on camera. But sitting sitting in front of a uh, computer screen <laughs> and have live timing going on the iPad, um, you know, things going on everywhere. But uh, it was just a different atmosphere. But really good to uh, to be able to bring some insight to uh, to the punters because you know I know how much. They enjoy, uh, you know, getting, a, I guess, an expert's opinion on, on what's going on and, uh, you know, hopefully do some more work during the year. And we thank Caruso for his time. Of course, he's meant to be driving the Valvoline Alpha in the TCR Australia Series this year. He's done one qualifying session so far. And Went he's, all right. Uh, he's been, <laughs> he's, yeah, he did okay. He was uh, on the front row. He's been parked up just like us ever since. I've got a, I've got the, a little bit of... Ammo for Caruso because his engineer, Stephen uh, Todd, Killer. Todd Kill, yes. Killer. Yeah, no, we call him Killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, works for my dad. So uh, I'm not giving him any time off during the year to go TCR racing or do any testing. <laughs> I got to work with Killer during my time at Nissan Motorsport. He was the engineer for Caruso, had been the engineer for Caruso in his GRM days and uh, came over to Nissan with Caruso. And I tell you, uh, Killer is definitely one of the most patient human beings. As we know, Michael Caruso is uh, a, a wildly enthusiastic human <laughs> being. And, and when things are going uh, his way, excellent. When things aren't going Caruso's way, certainly behind the scenes, he is uh, is super vocal about it. So um, <laughs> I can't imagine that. Oh, man, it's, uh, it borders on... Psychopath. <laughs> Not quite a psychopath, but uh, whatever the next step below that is, that's that's what it that's what it is. But um, uh, yeah, killer killer's a uh, a very good lad. So uh, Formula One on the weekend was another win for Lewis Hamilton, beating Michael Schumacher's all-time record for the most amount of podium finishes in uh, in Formula One history, one hundred and fifty six or something like that. That's an absolute joke. The uh, the stat that I thought was interesting was that Michael and Lewis have never shared a Formula One podium. Wow, that's that's pretty good stat actually. Yeah, so their careers had just Michael quit mm. for the first time at the end of '06, and uh, and Lewis started in '07. Of course, Michael came back but wasn't able to. Well, I, I think, think he got he, one, one podium. One podium, yes. Yeah. Yep. Lewis wasn't good enough that day to but, get on that podium. No, but... <laughs> but he's pretty Michael much got every did. podium since. 
Michael did all the hard work at Mercedes to get the team where it is, uh, get the team in the direction that it is today. Um, but hasn't, hasn't uh, Lewis done a great job putting himself in the position uh, to be in the, in the greatest cars and teams uh, and have the people around him to do the job? It's incredible to think how successful Lewis Hamilton has been in Formula One. Um, no one's ever going to come close to this again. I, I can't see it ever. Yeah, it's been a, uh, a phenomenal run. Uh, Max Verstappen finished second. Valtteri Bottas was third. And really, no one actually had a look in anyway. It was, no. it was all Lewis and you just can't see him getting beaten. Yeah, it's hard to see anybody matching Lewis for the championship. But interestingly, Max Verstappen is now second in the points. So he's had a pretty good run lately and has overtaken Bottas now. So if anybody's going to really take it to Lewis... Max is a, is the man, you know. I really believe that Lewis can always beat Bottas on most days, uh, but Max is sort of that surprise packet that, you know, if the car's good enough and uh, he's certainly hungry enough, potentially we could have a championship on our hands, and uh, that would be awesome to see. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Lots of racing still to come. It is a bit odd seeing the races with no crowd. It was really good to see uh, some crowd up in up at Hidden Valley. That was uh, mm. encouraging that uh, that has come back so quickly for us domestically. But now, unfortunately, I look at things like uh, jumping castles for the kids there and see the kids jumping around and everyone thinking, wow, that's, that's a COVID hotspot just, just <laughs> in a, on its own. How times change. How times yeah, change. That's right. Now, did you catch up on the MotoGP on the weekend? I did, and two horrific accidents. Mm. So one in Moto2 where uh, old mate had fallen off his bike and then someone else had been blindsided and crashed mm. into it and things are just exploding everywhere. And then a, another incident down into that, the hairpin at the end of the big long straight there. And uh, like those guys, uh, you know, risk their life, mm. you know, every time they jump on the bike, but when they're not on the bike, the things become absolute missiles. So spectacular and thankfully, um, you know, no major injury. No, Valentino Rossi was very, very close to getting collected there uh, in the incident, but luckily got through it unscathed. Jack Miller, though, bloody awesome result. An amazing podium there in P3, and he celebrated in typical Jack Miller style, doing an endo down pit lane. Uh, (laughs) He's an excitement machine. Yeah, so uh, Andrea Divizioso took uh, took the win. Good to see an Aussie on the podium. Also, some Aussies getting some reasonable results in uh, in Formula Three as well. They finished the Sunday race first and second. Oscar Oscar Piastri with the win. Mm-hmm. So uh, Aussies doing some good things abroad, which uh, is as always. Excellent to see. Yeah, Oscar uh, has really impressed a lot of people this year. First time going to a lot of these circuits. And to get a legitimate win on the weekend again uh, just shows that he's uh, one of the guys to watch in that category. And uh, Alex Peroni there as well, getting another podium himself. So Aussies and Kiwis are doing the business across the world. That's right. Good to see. Very good to see. Speaking of Kiwis, we've got Greg Murphy coming up. Before we get to Greg Murphy, there's two things I want to mention, Tony D. One is our fantastic sponsor. It's the the Race Fuels. It's actually not the Race Fuels. I was talking to Mark Tierney, 
who's the boss at Racefields, and uh, he says, I, "I really like it how you uh, how you always say the Racefields. <laughs> of course, it's just Racefields. I just add in the." I don't know, it makes it sound like it's over and above its top. It's the preeminent. And they are the preeminent. They are the place to go, of course, if you need fuel for your race car at the track. They've got self-serving bowsers at Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, there's, they've also got uh, some, some really good things happening at Victorian circuits as well, Phillip Island and Winton. And if you can buy race fuels anywhere in Australia and in Auckland as well. Unfortunately, Auckland is in a um, it's in a little state of lockdown at the moment, which is uh, a bit of a shame. And we're going to talk to Greg Murphy just very shortly. But one thing, Tony, before we get to Murph, is uh, we've actually got a sponsor for our new section of the Parked Up podcast. To, How uh, good! Our second sponsor behind Race Fuels, and we love Race Fuels. But they've got a uh, we've got an, a new sponsor, and we're going to announce that uh, next week. So. Um, so really Does looking forward to that. mean I can retire that. soon? Uh, just to do podcasting? Probably yes. not. Probably no. not. Okay. I feel like we're kind of in a bit of forced retirement at the moment. <laughs> but let, let's, not, uh, let's not be too down on things. Look, it's great to welcome a new partner on board, our little podcast. Um, we've been chipping away at it and I feel like we didn't expect to be in this lockdown period for so long and we probably didn't expect to be doing this so long. I keep getting asked, are you going to keep doing it when we go racing again? And, you know, I think we've got to. Yeah, why not? Why We're not? set up now. We can do it off-site. We don't need to be sitting next to each other. That's right. You bought me a fancy mic. Looks good. It looks, looks good. good. Perfect. Got little, you've got your little earpiece, uh, headphone yep. thing in. You look yep. totally pro. I like it. Oh, it's a bit weird seeing your face, though. Uh, it is a weird face. Um, okay, let's go. Greg Murphy. Greg Murphy is an absolute legend of Australian and New Zealand motorsport. Of course, he is a Kiwi, multiple winner of the Bathurst 1000, the Lap of the Gods uh, holder. Um, you know, he's uh, been there and done it in, in Australian motorsport. One of uh, the absolute best in the business. And we're going to grab him for a chat. When you think of Murph... What's uh, what, what's the first thing that jumps to your mind? Five minutes, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, when he got uh, a pit lane penalty there and jumped out of the car and went and uh, went to the loo, and mm. uh, I remember him seeing the footage there and screaming at Rob Crawford, five minutes, and he managed to get back in the car, build himself back up, and and still have time to spare. So. Uh, yeah, he, he's certainly, I mean, we're talking about Mark Caruso having a lot of passion. Greg Murphy is the most passionate and obsessed race car driver. And that's why I think he was so successful uh, throughout his career, super fast. Uh, we know how fast he was. I've, I've driven against him so many times. Um, actually was lucky enough to be a teammate of his when he was at HRT, being uh, the co-driver. Uh, so that was a bit of fun. Got to spend a little bit of time with Murph and, uh, he's, um, I suppose, you know, growing up, uh, everybody's idol really, you know, one of those guys that you really looked up to and he is the Prince of Pukekohe. There is no doubt about that. Yep. Yeah. He had such an amazing run at that circuit in the early noughties there and undefeated for, uh, for, for quite a number of years. Uh, when I think of Murph, uh, out of all the superstars that the sport, uh, has had, or certainly when I was um, starting my 
uh, journalistic run in those early noughties, Murph was the one who would always give me, uh, you know, extra, extra time. I, I have to say most, most of the superstars were pretty good, but Murph was, uh, was, was clearly the best. So I, I really always appreciated that. And, um, and we've got along uh, very well over the years. So he is. I do have a, to ask one question he, though, mate. Yes, go. I know that we've got this big sponsorship deal with race fuels. Yes. But did you have to spend the whole amount to try and get him on the show? Because <laughs> this is an unbelievable get. Nah, maybe because I've uh, written so many nice words over Mur- about Murph over the years that this is uh, a minor payback. Um, <laughs> nah, kind enough to come on FOC and we've uh, grabbed him all the way there in his uh, home in New Zealand. We're going to press some numbers and um, make this call happen. And it's great to welcome our very good friend, Greg Murphy, onto the Parked Up podcast. Murph, thanks for joining us. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for the uh, call up, boys. Good to talk. No worries. It's been a weird old period the past few months. Um, You've been uh, stuck over there in New Zealand. Just give us a little bit of your COVID-19 story. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty similar to pretty much everyone else's. Obviously, um, it all uh, fell apart uh, on the um, Friday morning at uh, at uh, the Grand Prix, and uh, we all scampered out of Australia as quick as we could, and, and then subsequently, um, you know, all the lockdowns came about. Uh, New Zealand clearly did a little bit differently to a lot of other countries, and I think obviously our size enabled us to uh, to be able to to shut the borders um, pretty well and, uh, and and get the the old coronavirus under control. Unfortunately, the last um, Last week, we've um, um, succumbed to a little bit of community transmission, which is, has, uh, I think, probably shocked everybody a bit more than it did the first time because we'd all gone back to living our lives pretty normal other than being able to travel internationally. Uh, we're all flying around the countryside and everyone's high-fiving each other and what a great job we did. And we're having uh, full, full crowds at uh, rugby games and, and other sporting events. And then all of a sudden, here we are um, back into level two where I am. Uh, which means I can still pretty much do everything um, other than uh, uh, have a, uh, a party of more than 100 people. And um, we can't go to Auckland. So um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, not being able to go to Auckland, but um, it has, has meant that there's a, a few things that were planned and locked in um, this week and into next week, which have now been cancelled again. So it's not ideal and, and uh, it's, it's a bit frustrating, but I know um, Australia's had it uh, a little bit, bit tougher than we have. Yeah, certainly uh, difficult times down here in Melbourne, being uh, stuck in <laughs> stuck in our houses um, and watching all those guys buzz around at uh, Darwin was um, very depressing with our twelve degree days and uh, not being out, allowed to leave our four walls. Um, but uh, it was interesting that you mentioned about not being able to. Or you can almost do uh, most things at the moment, but um, you you couldn't go and make your big motocross debut. That was scheduled for the weekend just gone. Like, are you, are you crazy? You, you realise they've got two less wheels than the things that you're used to driving? Uh, I, I knew I was going to get some sort of reaction. Um, now, I wouldn't normally probably be able to do something like that, but uh, the weekends are uh, usually pretty full and I'm trying to play catch up when I am at home. Um, we all know how busy we are on weekends, uh, the three of us, and, and anything to do with motorsport is, is a weekend is just another weekday essentially. Mm. So 
I had I had a dastardly plan. Uh, my son Cormac, who's um, he's nearly seventeen, he he's, uh, does a fair bit of MX racing, and and I've been able to go to a few events with him recently, and um, and I, I've just got itchy feet. I've just got I, I was like, you know what, I, I want to do a bit of this, and I, I hate standing around watching him. I enjoy watching him, but I don't enjoy standing around and, and not doing anything myself. So, an event was on on the weekend, and um, organised myself uh, a motocross bike. Uh, from uh, some mates, uh, KTM dealer down in Palmerston North, and they bloody put stickers and graphics and everything on it and everything for me. And then bloody coronavirus got uh, announced and we got went into a, a level two lockdown, which meant we, we weren't allowed... Uh, level uh, two? Man, that's yeah. nothing. I know, but, <laughs> but we're not allowed more than 100 people. So it got, it got canned. And so I was, I was all ready for my, my big... Listen, to be honest... It's a rolling hills sort of paddock, natural terrain motocross track. So no triples, no um, no Dale Wood style antics. Here, uh, TD, yeah. You're just taking it easy. Hey, we've missed you on the V8 screens, though. Uh, has it been a bit strange not being part of the broadcast team? I must have made some sort of impression then. I don't know what kind of impression it was, but um, <laughs> if you've missed me, it's been. Uh, we love seeing you on the screen. Oh, you're very kind. It has been very strange. It has been uh, really weird um, because I just got so used to the travel. I mean, I mean, you're mm. very similar, mate, in respect that. Uh, oh, and you too, Grant. I mean, we all go to the race meetings, most of the race meetings. And I, once I stepped out of my full-time gig, there was a little bit of period there where I wasn't going to every race meeting for a very short period of time. And then subsequently then back into the TV, you know, I've, I've been doing this, this uh, travel gig this calendar year of having events put in and going to them for, you know, 20 odd years or whatever. So to have this going on at the moment, forget the fact that I'm not actually working, but just not actually attending events and doing the travel has been completely bizarre. And I know for a fact that, you know, I've not had this period of um, consecutive days or nights at home ever. Ever. It's the longest period of time I've ever had um, uh, in my own bed, staying at home. And, and uh, there's a couple of people around here at home, one's over there at the moment, who's, who's less happy about it than I am. We've spoken about it quite a few times on the, on the podcast. Um, exactly the same boat. Like, uh, I don't think I've slept in my own bed. Steph hasn't seen me this much consecutively <laughs> forever. Um, I'm lucky that I'm still married, to be honest. Well, they're all um, realising realizing what, a, what a actually dud gig um, they got themselves into. Yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed those having some yep. uh, consistency uh, in my life has been a massive change. Have you enjoyed that side of it? You know, spend a bit more time with the family, uh, maybe a bit more routine. Yeah. It's a very different routine and um, no, it is, it has been good. I mean, I, I like probably most people, um, the initial four week lockdown that we had, which was the full lockdown was, was actually amazing. It really mm. was quite cool. It's like something that we need to actually do uh, every year just so everyone can stop and do nothing and everyone's the same, you know? Yep. Um, so no, it was, it was actually great. And, and, and I'm getting a little bit too used to this whole um, not getting on a, on a big bird and, and crossing the Tasman. So it's going to be a bit of a shock to the system when it does come back, fingers crossed. Is there any, uh, just in terms of coming back to supercars broadcasting, is there a, uh, any indication of when they might get get you to come back is is a uh, maybe a, a trip to Bathurst is is that maybe something that you're looking at or, or supercars has spoken to you about uh listen we we're, we're it's very fluid 
where honestly um, Nathan Prendergast, um, my my boss there at Supercar Television, is is he's been he's been great just trying to keep everything um, as fluid as possible and keep our options open, you know, day to day effectively. But um, you know, with the quarantine situation, both sides of the Tasman, obviously, uh, and the restrictions that you guys have had on borders and and all that confusion and the amount of workload. Um, and restriction the amount of people at the events, all that kind of stuff. It obviously hasn't been viable, and it won't be viable to potentially Bathurst. And 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 I think there's so much to be uncovered even between now and then to see what happens with the borders and all that kind of stuff. And and so it's tricky. And 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 I've just accepted that it's the way it is, just like everyone's had to. And and we will just continue to play it by ear. I mean, it's it's going to be um, you know very interesting. Um, you know, come September, middle of September, and then that that planning around, you know, what is going to happen at Bathurst and for everybody. And I mean, it's for the co-drivers, man. It's mm. uh, you guys. I've been thinking about that a lot. I know you would have been too, Tone. And 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 the preparation is just, oh my God, never had anything like it. Well, there's like literally no preparation. Um, generally, leading into the event, you get test days and ride days and all sorts of stuff. Um, but at the moment, I think we'll literally go to Bathurst and that will be the first time we sit in the car. So it's just really tricky managing all that, as you know. Um, one question I did have was, have you been watching the racing and, and what are your thoughts on some of the tyre regulations that we're seeing at the moment? Obviously, some new winners, um, but you know, some drivers are liking it, some are, others aren't. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's to be expected, right? Um, the guys that uh, dominate every single weekend they're not going to be overly happy with it because they're not able to gather as many trophies and that and they probably feel like it's being manipulated a little bit right um but as a sitting at home and if i take off my work hat and my involvement with supercars the way i do tell you mate i I think it's fantastic i'm a i'm a huge advocate i've been a huge advocate for change for a long time i know you know and you know anyone that's involved in the sport knows that we needed to be uh, changing the way we go about our racing, uh, reducing the costs, um, spreading the love a little bit more. And just think about all these sponsors that are on these cars that are getting, you know, mm. the coverage and sitting on the podium, the Jack LeBrocks, the Nick Perkett, uh, Anton Di Pasquale, all these guys that have, that have now had a win and, and, you know, showing that they are great race car drivers. Right. Yep. And, and this is the thing about it. Everyone's got the same opportunities to do, um, to do these things during these races. It's just how you plan it. And it, so it's not, it's not like we're falsifying the results. We're, we're creating opportunities for people to choose. And, and, and it's giving other guys the chance to, to have their, their day in the sun. And, and that is so critically important for the future of our sport moving forward. So I'm a huge fan. I, I think obviously there's learnings to be done. And we've had a lot of learnings around uh, tyre usage and how we go about it. You know, changing it so that everyone had to use a, a, the same tyre for the shootouts, that kind of stuff was great. You know, yeah. um, so mate, I, I'm, I've been relishing it. I've, I've been really excited about who's going to do what because yep. it leaves everything open to, to different interpretation and therefore you're getting different results. And, and that is what we need to, to grow the sport um, and, and continue to get more and more people wanting to be involved. Great for television, great for selling advertising, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So I've not seen a negative to it personally. Um, yes, I'm, it's a little bit different now in respect of if I was a race car driver, I'd see it differently, but it's not about the race car drivers. It's not about the teams. It's about the entertainment at the end of the day. And now that I'm not involved from that perspective, it's very easy to say it, but you've got to look at it from what's providing entertainment. And I think it's been mm. doing that. I remember uh, when we had our own little team, uh, we were yep. always trying to fight to get some coverage for the sponsors yeah. that were investing in our, in our little team. So 
if I put my driver's hat on from five, six years ago, um, I would be loving it because it would give a smaller team the opportunity to get a win or a podium. Um, but I can also see the other side of it as well. And I think Darwin on the weekend, and we, we've already spoken about it, myself and Grant, but um, the tyre degradation wasn't quite yep. high enough. And, uh, you know, some of those drivers didn't even put the hard tyres on during the race. So um, that backfired a little bit. But as you said, you know, small little fine-tuned um, bits and pieces each weekend to try and keep the racing alive and, and spice it up, I think is pretty critical. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, Sydney Motorsport Park delivered because we know it's such a high-dig racetrack. So, it, it, and it's high-dig on the hard, it's, high, it's even higher on the soft. So, you know, we know um, Darwin, the surface there is really, really good. And it wasn't going to provide that dig. So, mm. and, and in that respect, yeah, okay, it didn't quite work the way it has done, but but it's still it's 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 made it's made a gain. It's an improvement on on what we've had with the you know just that dom- those dominations by a couple of race teams. But it, it highlights the fact that, and I know it's been talked about, and I, I don't know if it's been tested yet or not. But we've talked about for a long time to have a much higher dig soft tire as well that provides that to outright really good pace, but is going to you know have that degradation side of things um, come in, into play. So you know, in that respect, that's that's um, you know something we do need to have in our arsenal moving forward, and mm. and that's been talked about, and, and hopefully at some stage when we get a bit more normality um, under us, you know that that might be introduced to to continue to, you know, to develop and continue to, to, to have uh, new learnings. So all soft tyres for the next event at Hidden Valley this weekend and then all soft tyres for Townsville. How do you feel? So I think we, we all have a pretty good grasp about how Hidden Valley is going to go this weekend, but the Townsville event, what, what do you sort of expect to see there in regards to the tyres? Yeah, it's actually um, I hadn't caught up with that, mate. So uh, appreciate the um, uh, the input, the information there on that one. Um, well, you I'm don't need to now. You you're uh, you're at home, just chillaxing, no stress. Well, that's right. But hey, Tone, you probably I, I'm trying to actually remember. I don't think uh, Townsville is. That's not overly high dig either, is it? I think it's probably it? getting worse um, yeah. than what when uh, when we first drove there when it was basically brand new. Yeah. I always remember, you know, guys throwing a set of softs on right at the end of the race and blitzing through right. if there's a late safety car. So yep. there might the deg might be fairly high there, especially if the temperatures are really high. Yeah, we need um, you know, we need more we need uh, more uh, people looking at throwing a different strategy out of that mm. kind of stuff and. Um, you know, and that's that's what we're looking for to people be able to, you know, have that opportunity to to do exactly what you said, throw throw a set of tires on, take the take the punt, go to midfield or towards the back of the field and fire their way through. So listen, I think supercars are doing absolutely everything they possibly can at the moment. We're pretty we're pretty fortunate that we've actually got racing going on at all. And so, mm. you know, to to have them throwing a few things at it and changing it up, it's the perfect time to be doing it when everybody actually realizes we actually need to uh Need, we need to be providing and doing something a little bit different to to generate you know that that uh, eyeballs on the television and 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 make sure people are engaged with supercars. So speaking of uh, something a little bit different, uh, this year obviously less data. Uh, we've got a control damper. What are your thoughts on some of those changes? It really does seem to be suiting some people more than others. Yeah, and, and those are all things I'm I'm fully um, supportive of. Uh, Again, you know, I've been a big advocate for uh, reducing a whole lot of items that are still open for interpretation, open for development, 
um, because we, we know what that does. It just generates, it gives those that have got more money um, the opportunity to keep spending, 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 spending to find that advantage. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate for that, I think. And, and you can see by a control damper being thrown at these cars what it's done done next to nothing as far as uh, you know speed um, all that kind of stuff we know the likes of triple eight had a bit of a whinge and moan about it at the beginning of the year and and they had a, a broken uh, uh, suspension arm on Giz's car at Adelaide but you know it was the only car that did have it everyone else was was got through it pretty well you know and that's just a you know you, you don't expect people are going to have a bit of a whinge some of them here and there who's affected more or worse by it but yeah. again, as far as speed goes, there's hardly been a change in speed. Cars are going as fast, if not faster, than they've ever been before. So it just proves that that kind of stuff is just completely unnecessary. We don't need to have um, teams spending copious amounts of cash, getting confused, mm. and, um, and developing those areas of the car. So the next move for me, and it should have been done years ago, is get rid of the front upright. We need a control front upright. We need to stop development on things that cost money that teams are able to do. And there's, there's plenty of items. We've got to get rid of sensors in the cars. We just do not need as much mm. of that stuff in the cars that we have that, again, just cost money, cost money, cost money. And again, the teams will argue, some of them black and blue, oh, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it's only because they get a benefit out of it. And other teams yep. don't get a benefit. So um, more of that, the better. It's not going to become, you know, a one-make series. It, it just, we've, we've got, you know, too much intelligence in there and we've still got bits and pieces that, you know, that generate um, the ability for teams to work and analyze and do things. But, but we've got to cheapen it. We've got to make it cheaper than what it is and we're not going to take away from, this, from the category. We're just going to add to it because we need more people up and down the field. You know, look at MotoGP at the moment. I mean, it, it's, it's got to be, I, I mean, when, when have we last seen a category that is delivering the way that is? You know, it's mm. just phenomenal. All the marks are winning. Uh, they're all uh, competitive. The racing is phenomenal. You know, they've controlled things. They're really controlling stuff. Obviously, they're still spending a lot of money. But, but we, need, we need to have guys qualifying 13th or 14th or whatever and still having a chance of winning something on the weekend, you know? Right. It's been, it's been uh, over 10 years since the uh, Greg Murphy Racing uh, left our Supercars Championship. Do you think, you know, these regulations that you know making the sport cheaper might have made it more viable for you to to remain in there and and i guess would you want or did you did you want to see that last longer than it actually did yeah there's a there's a, a couple of things there um uh uh yeah tasman as it was known back in the day um it was uh we 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 went about um, trying to be the master of our own destiny, which, which again is about spending money because it was like, oh, you know, we, we chose not to go down that customer path, which we should have done as a team because we just didn't have the resource and the, the backing to, um, to go about it as a, as a constructor as such, right? So, um, so that, was, that was probably you know, the defining sort of decision that really did put us on a bit of a downward spiral, really choosing it to go, go, like, go down that path. Um, I think if we'd probably been a customer um, with with someone, uh, we probably would have lasted a bit longer. Um, also, yes, without doubt, without the the need or the feeling to go and um, uh, try and develop and spend money in areas to try and make our cars go faster and do it ourselves and and our own IP and control all that stuff. If if we'd been restricted on that. There's no doubt we would have been able to stay around longer. Um, the cost of the sport back then, um, 
it's completely relative to what it is now. It's just, it's, it was, it was too much. And, and, you know, I know Tony um, will have a perspective and cause he was a customer in many respects as well. But when you're a customer, you damn well know you're not getting the same stuff as the blokes <laughs> that you're buying it off. Oh, come on, mate. Come on. <laughs> what? You're going to say it's not true. <laughs> now, Murph, uh, we've actually, he's got not going to say blocks. anything. No, I'm not going to say anything at all. Oh, I'm Switzerland. I'm Switzerland. Throwing me under the bus. The, no, the no, no, no. Custom, I was just going to mention. The customer's always right. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to mention. Uh, we've got a couple of guys that used to work for your team uh, many years ago, John Ferris and Graham Jenkins, working for my dad's family business or our family business at the moment. Um, they're still ticking over. They still talk about wow. car racing every time I see them. So um, those guys played a really big role in uh, in Tasman Motorsport, but yep. also your career as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that, that's awesome to hear their names and, and um, you know, have a, a reflection on, uh, reflect back on, on uh, some of those days. And, and I mean, it, so many people have, have been mm. involved in, in the sport over the years and, and significant people and characters as well that have, you know, uh, had such a, yeah, such a part to play. And then Graham, God, how many teams would it, did, did, was he a part of and, and worked through in the years? Um, just, just, yeah. So, you're right about that. It's um, it, it, and to think now, you know, already. I mean, we closed the doors on Tasman um, into, at the end of 2009. I mean, yeah, wow. It's mm. uh, it is it, it's it's unbelievable to think, you know, how long uh, or how quickly that uh, those 10, 11 years have gone. Mm. And just uh, mate, before we let you go, give us a little update on uh, on Junior Murphs running around. Obviously, you said uh, that Cormac is uh, on two wheels, and we saw uh, we've seen Rowan in in Formula Ford. Uh, I know COVID has um, slide tackled a lot of things over the last little while, but um, how are they going? Uh, your own and sort of, we actually shipped him off to, well, it was his choice. I wasn't uh, so so keen, or myself or his mother was so keen, but. Um, uh, we shipped him off to the States on the 6th of June. Um, and subsequently, he's done four Formula 4 events over there, um, three championship rounds, one non-championship. Um, he's got to race in the most uh, all tracks that I've only dreamed of ever driving at, little bastard. Um, <laughs> he, he's driven at Laguna Seca. Um, he's driven at Mid-Ohio Motorsport Park. He's driven at... Um, um, where else was he go? Where else did he go? I mean, he's been to oh yeah, uh, Virginia International Raceway. If you've ever seen that on television, or it's just phenomenal. And he's been at Barber Motorsport Park. So um, great experiences. Um, it's been really tough for him. He's um, not having any support sort of network over there. Um, uh, the, he had a, a pretty good event at Virginia, and that was probably um, due to the fact that Hunter McElroy, uh, Andy McElroy's uh, young guy who's over there doing amazing things in um, Indy Pro over there. Um, uh, went and helped him out at, at Virginia and he was just a huge help. Um, it was awesome that the two of them were able to spend some time together. Um, so he's actually now back in, uh, in Auckland at the moment, got another five days of, um, of uh, quarantine, isolation, um, before he can be released back into the New Zealand public. Um, so I'll go and pick him up on Saturday. So what happens from here? We're not quite sure. There's still some rounds of F4 left um, to be finished, for the rest, uh, to be done for the rest of the year. And uh, at this stage, you know, with the way things are with this COVID deal, we, we really don't know what's going to happen uh, from here on. But um, yeah, he's had a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good time in the States the last couple of months. It's a bloody tough slog trying to go car racing, as you know. And I think 
I get asked all the time, will I put my boys through car racing or karting or anything like that? And I'll have the same response. Murph's um, shaking his head at the moment, for those of you that can't see. Um, You know, hard finding money. It's a tough gig, especially in this climate. Um, You obviously didn't succeed trying to steer them away from it, though. And and, and Tony, as well, the the other thing is it doesn't matter that you've had um, a career in the sport. It it doesn't matter. the, The worst thing about it for Ronan is I know what it's like and I know... What the good is like, and I know what the bad is like, and I know the struggle, the strain, the stress, the all that kind of stuff. And that, and that's, you know, as you say, in this climate, it doesn't matter. It, it's still bloody tough to try and find the dough, and, and we're not talking mm. small, insignificant amounts of money. So, um, yeah, I, I was certainly not as uh, a proactive towards this. Uh, yep. You know, my dad, Kevin, obviously both of you do really well. And so Kev's been the driving force there and, and the one that's enabled a lot of it because he's put the time and the effort, right. you know, uh, into taking Ronan karting and looking after his, you know, when he did the Formula uh, v, uh, Formula First Scholarship and then when he did his Formula Ford, that was all down to Kev. And um, if, if it had been left to me, um, yeah, he would have, uh, he'd be at university right now doing something completely <laughs> different. So How is Kev, just, mate? Uh, Kev's great. He's, um, you know, obviously pretty much retired, uh, living here in Hawke's Bay where I do, and um, but still beavering along. He, he needs always needs something to do and needs to be, uh, you know, um, keeping himself busy, which he does. And a lot of that is to do with actually supporting Ronan and helping out with that. So, no, he's going well. But, yeah, it's, it's a challenge with this whole kids and car racing, mate. Um, take all your posters off the wall. Take all your trophies yes. away. Hide them and pretend it never happened. <laughs> yep. Well, cool. Well, that won't take me too long. I think I might have one you got go-karting a few po- track. There's a few posters on the wall there behind you. I can see a beautiful picture I'll of your Peter Brock. I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Murph, it's been great to have you on Parked Up. We appreciate your time and we look forward to seeing you uh, back in the real world sometime real soon. Yeah, I look forward to it, boys. Uh, it'd be great to have a catch-up and have a, uh, have a beer. Thanks, Thanks. buddy. And that was great to grab Greg Murphy for that chat. He's such a legend, always such a nice guy. And as you as you you'd said, despite the fact that he's not racing, you can still feel that passion coming out. And uh, you know, he loves the sport so much. And and um, I think he really wants to get back over here and get back on with real things. I think he does an amazing job with the commentary, though. You know, it suits some guys. It's, it doesn't suit others. And I think. Um, he's got enough knowledge, enough respect within the pit lane as well to sort of ask whatever questions he, he really wants to. And, you know, the teams respond to it and give him uh, information that, you know, they might not give to somebody else. They don't hold them, hold them the same regard. So I think he does a great job. He's, he's adapted his career down that path. Also good to see that the Murphy name is continuing on there uh, with the boys doing a bit of racing, a bit of two-wheel, a bit of four-wheel as well. So it might not be the last time we hear a Murphy, you know, succeeding in motorsport. No, no, you can almost guarantee that that won't be the thing. Uh, and uh, actually, it was it was good that he brought up his dad, Kevin, as well. Uh, Kevin was a, a phenomenal contact for myself back in being a journalist. And I've actually got a funny story about um, Kev Murphy, which I, which I should quickly tell. It's probably not that funny, but um, there was one, there was one night, uh, I think it was about 07. It was definitely in the Tasman days and me and a few of the boys, including uh, Andrew Van Leeuwen, we were working for motorsport news at the time and we'd uh, driven up to Winton 
really late one night. We might have had a, a futsal match Thursday night and then we finished our game and, and headed up to Winton to stay at our hotel. We didn't get there till late. We took the PlayStation with us and we were playing, I think the game we were playing at the time was NASCAR or, or something. We stayed up probably um, too late. Uh, you know, it's sort of a 2 a.m. finish, a couple of beers playing playing PlayStation, nothing uh, nothing crazy. Anyway, when we woke up in the morning as fresh as as fresh as we could to go to the track, our uh, neighbour in the uh, hotel that we were staying at was Kev Murphy. And he said, oh, so it was you boys who were up all night playing your bloody game. <laughs> um, yeah, we killed him. We killed a little bit of Kev Murphy's sleep that night, but he was uh, he was very forgiving. I reckon you would have been pretty upset. A lot of people don't know, though, but Kev has played a big part in a lot of drivers' careers. One in particular, Fabian Coulthard, who drove for his Porsche team uh, for quite a few years there and and won the championship. I think he prepared three Porsche Carrera Cup cars um, back in the day for many years. Um, And he sort of had that mentor role, not only for Greg, but also for other drivers along their journey as well. So he's done a really good job to try and nurture some of that New Zealand talent into Australia. Yep. And if, uh, if Ronan uh, listens to only a little bit of it, then you could imagine that he's, uh, he's going to be set on a, uh, on a pretty good path. Um, okay. We're almost at the end of episode number 22 of Parked Up. We're powered by the race fuels. And uh, just before we go, we have another round, the penultimate round of the TCR Australia Sim Racing Series coming up uh, Hallelujah! on Wednesday night. Now, before I get your take on how things are going to go, I spoke to young commentator guru Lachlan Mansell for his take on how things might pan out in Adelaide. Can't wait for this week's penultimate round of the car sales TCR Australia Sim Racing Series, which is going to be held at the Adelaide Parkland circuit, so another visit to a street circuit for the TCR cars. The big news this week is that there's a question mark over the participation of our championship leader, Dylan O'Keefe, before CCN over in Austria doing some real-life TCR testing. So that's potentially going to open the way for a few other drivers to shine, the ones that I've been watching out for, Ben Barguana and also John Martin, because they've been two of the other main title protagonists. As for Tony D'Alberto, I'm sure he would like a strong showing as well. His run so far in the series has been, let's just say, a bit mediocre. Looking forward to catching you all on a Wednesday night. Don't forget to tune into the coverage right around the world on the TCR Australia social media channels. So we thank Lockie for his time. And the big news there is, one, he called your season mediocre. Uh, so hoping, hoping <laughs> that's to, probably uh, good. Hoping to turn that around, but uh, the other is that Dylan O'Keefe, of course, because he's over in uh, Austria and Switzerland, uh, being test driver, he is a big fat question mark about whether mm. he's going to compete. It uh, might open the door for a new winner, Tony D. Could that be you? Oh, I'll give it a red hot crack. But what will probably happen is I'll take the win and I'll get penalised for breathing or something like that. So. Uh, I'm not sure. I've done a few laps uh, on the sim over the weekend, Adelaide. It's actually really good. The uh, recreation of the circuit is excellent. Uh, the curbs are good. Um, so looking forward to it, actually. Uh, have a couple of beers and then try and enjoy the racing. And uh, that's as close as it gets for me at the moment. But, you know, we've got Macau to finish off the championship 
in a couple of weeks as well. So there's a circuit I've never been to. So it'd be nice to learn a new track and one that's got a lot of corners to learn. So the Adelaide track, is it the current supercars track or is it the old Grand Prix big long layout? No, no, it's current supercars. Oh, okay. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. That's good. It's good. I like it. So without Dylan O'Keefe, unlikely, then Johnny Martin wall racing honda they got a chance to uh got a chance to take a win yeah potentially i mean uh he's been quite quick uh benny bagwan has been really quick as well uh so he's difficult to beat Jaden ransley obviously we all know how quick he is on the sim and yeah i'm sure i've missed a couple of guys there but uh and girls and girls yeah i was gonna say one that uh has been going very good and sticking to the boys is chelsea so Chelsea Angelo, we'll see uh, if she can get a result uh, in Adelaide. Um, it should be a bit of fun. Yeah, cool. I've, I've enjoyed the uh, TCR Australia Sim Racing Series. Not as much, though, as I've enjoyed talking to you for episode 22 of Parked Up. We're powered by the race fields. But um, when we talk next week, we've got another supercars event at Darwin to cover and uh, there is a slight tweak in the tyre rule change, all soft tyres, which is pretty much what they did this on. But uh, I don't think they've got enough tyres to get through the weekend. So, again, we're going to see a compromise. I just can't see Shell V Power or Red Bull Holden getting beaten. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's hard to think that uh, it's going to change up the order a lot. Now, we saw these tyre rules at Sydney Motorsport Park for the first round back. But as we've spoken about today, the degradation at Sydney Motorsport Park is really, really high. Darwin, it's nowhere near as high. So, you know, you're not going to see this massive difference between somebody who's got a brand new soft and somebody that that has, you know, done a few laps on a soft. Uh, basically, at Sydney, after, you know, four or five laps, the tyre was destroyed. And we're seeing seconds difference between uh, a good tyre and a bad tyre. But on the weekend, the only time we saw a driver that uh, was really struggling was Anton. And he'd used the same or tyres, those soft tyres, uh, for three races. And we saw him in the last race really struggling for pace. So everyone will be in the same boat there. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see how we're going to see somebody suddenly jump up unless there was somebody driving around the weekend with a problem with their car and they found it during the week, those guys are probably going to be the ones to beat, no doubt about it. The Shell cars are going really good and, and Red Bull are right there as well. Uh, and Tickford not too far away. You know, we saw James Courtney get a podium on the weekend as well, which I thought was really, really good effort um, considering the amount of time he's been in a, in a Tickford car. So we'll see. Hopefully, though, we'll get another winner, another new winner, I should say. And uh, the championship battle will liven up even more. Well, there we go. All of that and more to talk about next week. Of course, give us your your view, your take, your feedback on the Parked Up podcast Facebook page. Uh, we've got a new sponsor to confirm next week, plus a whole Ooh, bunch more. Wait. Plus a whole bunch more racing. Uh, we'll see you all then. See you later, alligator. <laughs> <laughs>